Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing. I'm Sinead Kassan. Well, it's here. It's opening week of the 2023 Six Nations and we'll bring you extra podcasts on the weeks of the championship. Now, this episode, Keen Tracy will be here to give us an update on the Ireland squad who are training in the Algarve. We'll go through the selection calls that Andy Farrell faces for Saturday's opener with Wales. Warren Gatland was able to get under Joe Schmidt's skin. Can he do the same with Andy Farrell? And we'll also look at the shocking backdrop to this game with the CEO of Welsh Rugby resigning at the weekend amid allegations of a toxic culture at the organisation. Keen Tracy is here. Keen, the IRFU sent out an update at lunchtime and there were reports last night that Ulster hooker Tom Stewart has joined the squad in Portugal because of a fitness issue with Ronan Kelleher. So that's been confirmed now. Yeah, Ronan Keller has a, a hamstring injury, Sinead. Um, not ideal, particularly for a guy who, you know, is really important. You might forget how important he's been because he missed most of Ireland's games last year with injuries as well. And he he missed uh, the November internationals, I'm pretty sure, with a hamstring injury. And it was a shoulder injury that he had during the Six Nations when he picked it up in that France game. And that cost him going on the, the summer tour as well. So it's concerning for a guy... I think so young, um, he picks up a lot of injuries. Like I would have covered Ronan Kelleher when he was playing school rugby and for the Ireland under 20s. And I seem to recall that he was a guy who picked up a, a lot of injuries. I think he's just, he's just such a like, yeah, like a finely tuned athlete that like any sort of knock seems to set him back. And it's really unfortunate because he is so important. I think to Ireland, we've spoken so often about you know, having that one-two dynamic with Dan Sheehan, like either one of them to come off the bench. And now you'd have to say Dan Sheehan is kind of comfortably it's on his own as um, Ireland's first choice hooker. But like Ronan Keller still has a huge amount to offer. Thankfully, the RFU haven't ruled him out definitively for this weekend. But at the same time, if it's a hamstring injury, you can't imagine they're going to take any chances. So uh, it's a pity for him. But what an opportunity for Tom Stewart. Um He's been, he's been going well, yeah. Going really, really well. And, you know, like, like he could come easily come into the frame for the World Cup. Like, there's been some of the big games this season for Ulster. He's been picked ahead of Rob Herring now. Rob Herring does have a lot of credit in the bank um, with Ireland. He's a strong set-piece operator. We know how good he is around the mall. But I would say Tom Stewart is more in line with Dan Sheehan and Ronan Kelleher in terms of what he offers you around the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how he goes. I wouldn't imagine he'll come into the reckoning for this weekend. I mean, Dan Sheehan would start, you'd imagine, and Rob Herring on the bench. But um, Tom Shuredad's definitely opened up for him to make an appearance in the Six Nations. And like I said, I think he can offer I think he can offer a lot, especially if he goes back to Ulster and he's getting is selected ahead of Rob Herring for more of those games. Come the World Cup, he could definitely be in the conversation. Okay, we'll see how that go- goes now. Andy Farrell names his Ireland team on Thursday. So they're obviously still out in the Algarve and our colleague Rory O'Connor is heading out there today so he'll be reporting from there uh, from tomorrow, Tuesday. 
So names the team on Thursday, Keane. Look, it looks like a very settled team, but he will have, Andy Farrell, some interesting calls uh, to make uh, this week. At 12, obviously, in the absence of Robbie Henshaw, the makeup of the back row, the composition of the bench, who's the backup uh, to Johnny Sexton, assuming, of course, that he will indeed be fit to play in Cardiff. So let's start at 12. Who is Farrell picking? Stuart McCloskey, Bundy Aki, or the new kid, Jamie Osborne? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. I think that is, if we're being honest, that is the, the one you know headache. But it's probably a good headache that he has because I think there's been times in the past where Ireland have been short centres and you know they've kind of been scratching around. And while Aki Henshaw and Ringrose, you know, have been reliable performers, it's so encouraging to have a guy like Stuart McCloskey back playing so well. And now Jamie Osborne, like you mentioned, the new kid on the block. So, like, I was impressed with Stuart McCloskey last November. I think he was going really well in that South Africa game. I don't think the attack went... Now, he obviously picked up the injury and he made a miraculous recovery. Everyone thought he was going to be out for ages. Um, I didn't think, like, Ireland in general went well in the Fiji game. Um, and then in the Australia game, I thought he did okay. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from him, if I'm being honest. And I think Top Bondiaki came off the bench and made a big, big impact. So, uh, it's not a clear-cut decision. I would like to see McCloskey getting another chance. Um, he, you know, he had the few weeks in camp... In November, I'd say he's far more clued in in terms of what's going on because he was out in the cold for so long. But then again, you know what Bundyaki can deliver. He obviously has his own issues going on. At Connacht, he's coming in with very, very little game time. And that's a risk as well. I think there are certain players that you can throw straight back into it. Johnny Sexton is one. Ironically enough, Robbie Henshaw is one as well. And I think if we were talking about, you know, Robbie Henshaw, you'd have no fears putting him back in at all. But Bundyaki's played so little rugby over the last while. So um, Jamie Osborne, you'd say, is a wild card selection. He's been going really, really well. But in terms of making up the ground in such a short space of time, I think it would be a surprise, if we're being honest, to to see him start. But it's a good, it's a good headache to have. If I was to nail my colours to the mast, I'd imagine... Maybe Stuart McCloskey to start with Bundy Aki on the bench. I mean, Andy Farrell has really opted for, I know we can get on and talk about the makeup of the bench because that is going to be interesting too, but he's tended to go for like a Bundy Aki type in, in the number 23 jersey when lots of head coaches will go for, we'll say like a Jordan Larmer or a Jimmy O'Brien, guys who can cover multiple positions, but... Andy Farrell, I think, likes that power to come off the bench. And, it, you know, like we know it's going to be an absolute battle in Cardiff this weekend. So I think having a guy like Bundyaki, we saw what he delivered uh, against Australia. And if he comes off the bench again and makes a big impact, then certainly he'd come into the equation to start against France. But I think it would send out a good message to the squad in terms of, you know, keep players keeping hold of the jersey. You, you hear it so often rolled out as a cliche, but I think Stuart McCloskey has done enough. In Even in a struggling Ulster team, I think he's one of the few who's actually yeah, been done well. well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Keen, the makeup of the back row, is that a fairly straightforward choice for Farrell? Obviously, Josh van der Fleer in there, Caelan Doris in there, and then Peter O'Mahony joining them as well. You know, obviously he got that red card two years ago, and I'm sure we'll be dying to get another crack at it. Yeah, I think it is a fairly straightforward um, selection decision, really, Sinead. You know, you talk about going to Cardiff in the battle, and I know it maybe got the bit better Peter Manny the last time, but generally speaking, he's been really good, and he's exactly the type of guy you want going there. So, yeah, I, I think the back row selection is fairly straightforward, and I think you get Caelan Doris in his best position at number eight, too. Absolutely. Ross Byrne, is he the backup to Johnny Sexton on the bench? 
Yeah, I would like to see Jack Crowley, to be honest, like being given a shot. I, I think it will depend. We've already touched on who will wear 23. I think if you're going to pick a Bundyaki who can pretty much only play 12 and 13, I think it would be no harm to have a guy like Jack Crowley who can, you know, cover full back if, yeah. if, if necessary. But if you go on the bench with Ross Byrne and Bundyaki, you're almost going to pigeon your whole, you're pigeonholing yourself into guys who aren't that versatile. So that would be a bit of a risk, I think, from Andy Farrell. And I think Jack Crowley's done really well since he's gone into Ireland camp. Ross Byrne fully merits his, you know, recall into there. Um, I think if Johnny Sexton was out injured, I think you might be thinking maybe Ross Byrne could be more suited to start. But I would like to see Jack Crowley, like Andy Farrell has spoken, you know, about wanting to invest time in him. So I think this is another opportunity to back Jack Crowley because he was the guy in the squad, let's not forget, in November before Ross Byrne came in. So I'd like to see Jack Crowley continue there. And anything else about that squad selection that you will be keeping a particular eye out for on Thursday? I'd like to see, I think, Ryan Baird, Baird maybe giving a shot on the bench. I mean, Jack Jack Conan is, you know, there. We know what he can deliver. But I think in terms of making an impact off the bench, Ryan Baird's explosivity could give you a lot. I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Ian Henderson is fit, who will be the backup lock. Will they go to Joe McCarthy? I think if Ian Henderson was fit, they'd definitely like to get him back up to speed. He's been a bit of a, I think, a slow burner since he's come back from his injury from Ulster. But we know how important he is to Ireland when he's fully fit. So um, you could have Ryan Baird on their cover and lock, even though I think he's far more suited to, to playing six than he is uh, in the second row, particularly at test level. So I'd like to see him. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Keen Healy will be on the bench or yeah. if they'll go with Dave Kilcoyne. For similar kind of reasons if you're looking for an explosive impact off the bench but then again you might want Keane Healy to lock down the scrum particularly if the, the scrum has any issues which we could get on to talk to so Ireland named their team on Thursday so too does Warren Gatland look there's been obviously a horrific backdrop to this game in Cardiff uh, with the BBC Wales documentary broadcast last week which aired allegations of a toxic environment of misogyny sexism at the governing body and yesterday then Sunday morning uh, in an email sent at 6am the Welsh Union confirmed that Steve Phillips who had previously um, resisted calls for his, his resignation had resigned from his position uh, keen as CEO of Welsh Rugby yeah, it's shocking really, isn't it? And I think just the latest, I think the Nigel Walker, who's obviously come in as chief executive, did, did a press conference this morning. I'm just going to read in his quotes just before we came on. And it's unbelievably stark. And just read that one here. If we are not prepared to change the future of Welsh rugby and the Welsh rugby union is in danger, I can't put it any more bluntly than that. So, um, But yeah, it needed to be that strong. No, absolutely it did. Yeah. It was really shocking. Like, I mean, yeah. we've we've all known for so long that the problems in Welsh rugby run so deep, but that's got to do with like the, you know, the clubs and the kind of the, the disillusionment you'd have to say from the top down. But to hear this kind of stuff was absolutely shocking, particularly when you have, you know, women on the record coming out and speaking so strongly about it. So this is not what Wales want. That's not what Wales need coming into a massive Six Nations. And, you know, Warren Gatlin's come back and, you know, I'm sure that he'd like to get his teeth stuck into a lot of the issues that's going on behind the scenes, but even he wouldn't have imagined that something like this would come out. So it's really, really damaging, you'd have to say, for the sport, but at least they seem to be trying to make amends now, but it's going to take a lot more than that, isn't it? Just a, f a few words. You're going to need to see it backed up by actions too. Absolutely, it will. Um, you mentioned there then about, uh, you know, Warren Gatland. What what will the areas, Keen, that you think you know, in the next coming days that he will look to go after in the Irish game. I mean, we saw how the Ospreys were able to dominate Leinster at the scrum and the lineup mall in their URC game earlier this month. Obviously, look different gravy and all that, but where will he feel that his Welsh team can go after Ireland on Saturday? 
I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think the scrum and the, the, the line-out mall will be definitely an area. I think all teams are going to go, go after Ireland there. We've seen it with Leinster, not even just in that Ospreys game. The Leinster scrum str- struggle against Gloucester and Rassing as well. So obviously you have different personnel in there, but it's by and large uh, a Leinster pack. So yeah, like if, if Ireland earn, start earning a reputation as a team for giving away scrum penalties it's that's a real slippery slope to go down if you remember back in the first test in new zealand they really struggled at the scrum but they got their act together in the second or the third test but like that new zealand for all that you know that they're good that that all blacks pack isn't the the most fearsome scrummaging unit so you think of the tests that ireland have ahead like even next week france coming to dublin you know they're going to play south africa again at the world cup now to be fair i did i did think the ireland scrum held up well in november particularly against south africa but it is an area of concern tyke furlong comes into the six nations on the back of very little game time as well yeah. he can usually hit the ground running too i know you mentioned uh johnny sex and robbie henshaw earlier like they can do it tyke furlong is one as well but i think philly Beelham has done really well when stepping into his shoes, but I still think the gap is pretty pretty sizable. So um, there's no excuses really from an Irish point of view because like the front row that's going to start is an all Leinster front row. You're gonna have you're gonna have Ty Byrne in the second row with James Ryan, and then in the back row you're gonna have Peter O'Mahony with two Leinster players as well. So like these guys know each other, they know each other well. Um, but there's definitely chinks in the armor there. I think um, that teams are going to go after, and no, no one better than Warren Gatland and and that well scrum because, like, you're probably going to have two of the Ospreys props starting as well with Ken Owens obviously at hooker, and they'll they won't fear that Irish scrum whatsoever considering the damage they caused um, against uh, against Leinster a few weeks ago. Now it will be a stronger Leinster team, particularly with Tyg Furlong back in there, but. You know, I would still have concerns that if if Tyke Furlong or even if Andrew Porter got injured, um, I just don't think the strength and depth at prop is probably where it needs to be. We spoke about, you know, the luxury you have at Hooker when Ronan Keller and Dan Sheehan are mm-hmm. both fit, but I just don't think the the, the strength and depth is the same um, across the board as it is in probably a lot of other positions. Yeah, and no one better either than Warren Gatland when it comes to mind games. It's great to have him back, even though it feels like he's never been away from the Six Nations uh, when you kind of hear the interviews he's done. So do you remember that time the interview Gatland gave off the ball in 2019? This was after the World Cup um, because Joe Schmidt never won a Six Nations game in Cardiff uh, against Wales. and But uh, Warren Gatland said when they both finished up after the 2019 World Cup that... Uh, Quote, Joe Schmidt seems to get more wound up the week Ireland are playing Wales because if I say anything, it absolutely drives him crazy. And Gatland also intimated that he could use his media appearances to almost get Schmidt to change his tactics. So we know that Gatland you know, had an ability to get under Schmidt's skin. Um, I don't know if that tactic will work with Andy Farrell, though. No, I don't think so. And even at the Six Nations launch last week in London, there was plenty of opportunities to throw a grenade or two in. But first of all, it's not really Andy Farrell's style. So even if Gatlin did, I just don't think he would bite on it at all. And Gatlin obviously knows Andy Farrell so well from their time working together with the Lions. So I think he probably picks and chooses his moments when to go after uh, different coaches. And clearly it got under Joe Schmidt's skin. But um, yeah, like, you know, this is something that Steve Bortwick was actually asked about at the the launch as well. You know, your predecessor was very fond of, you know, throwing a great grenade or two in and he just kind of laughed it off. So I think, you know, for all that Eddie Jones's flaws and sometimes he did overstep the line, 
you do kind of, especially from our point of view in the media, like you do enjoy the the bit of mind games that go on behind the scenes. But there's still what we're chatting on Monday, Sinead, there's still plenty of time left in the week. And I know you're going to go over and you're going to cover the press conference. But I just don't get the sense that, you know, that kind of thing is going to happen this time around. But um, never say never when it comes to Warren Gatland. You never know what he'd have up his sleeve. No, very true. Very true. Okay, Keen, just to wrap, um, tell us the three things you'd like to see in this Six Nations. Uh, well, from an Irish point of view, I think like locking down that scrum is so important because I think if, like I said, if Ireland started earning a reputation as a team that gave away penalties, I think that's something that could linger going into the World Cup as well, which would be really damaging. I'd like to see the the game plan evolve a little bit more. Um, I think there's plenty of scope for Im- improvement, particularly in the attack. We've seen you know, the variation around, you know, five meter tap penalties, even in terms of yeah. strike moves, I still feel like there's probably more, that, you know, in the locker of my cat. And now that the players are really comfortable within the system, I think it would be brilliant to, to see a little bit more of that because that's obviously what happened in 2019. They just didn't evolve enough. So I think there were enough signs in November, even in that the Ireland A game against the, the All Blacks 15, that opposition teams were starting to figure out, you know, little bits of how to nullify Ireland. Now they still found a way to get the job done, which was, hugely hugely encouraging i think it'll be great to see ireland go like in with a shout of winning the championship on the last day the day after paddy's day with england coming down that would just be a brilliant weekend i suppose i look in kind of further afield i'm just fascinated to see how ben healy uh, gets on with scotland you know it's like such an interesting kind of subplot to the whole thing um John Cooney could come into the reckoning as well, like later in the tournament once he qualifies. I think it's on the 23rd of February, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so, like, that's really, really interesting. I mean, like, having guys who know the Irish system and, like, the amount of IP that they bring, like, I mean, you can't really, like, you know, underestimate how important that is, particularly when excuse me, when Ireland are going to play Scotland at the pool stages of the World Cup yeah. as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we even see Ben Healy on the bench for that Ireland game because I think, you know, it might even spook a couple of the players in, in some kind of weird way. So I'm fascinated to see um, how that goes. And I suppose just to see how Steve Borthwick gets on with England and, you know, they've brought in Nick Evans who did such a brilliant job or is still doing a brilliant job with with Harlequins. But like, is he going to be given the freedom to, to play that attacking style of play at test level? Because, you know, kind of reminds me a bit of when Wayne Pivak came in with Wales and he tried to play the, the style of play with the Scarlet and it didn't translate at all and he ended up paying the price. So how will Bortwick allow a guy who you'd have to imagine is a little bit, he sees the game a little bit differently, I would say, that he does. So what kind of an impact can he have? Um, and then obviously Warren Gatland, you know, no better man when your back's against the wall to turn it around, but he doesn't have the same squad and he doesn't have, you'd say, the same caliber of uh, backroom team that he had, like when Sean Edwards was there as well. So um, I think it's one of the most fascinating Six Nations in a long time, obviously for, you know, plenty of those reasons I touched on. And always in a World Cup here, the Six Nations just adds plenty of i would say extra spice because like we should appreciate the six nations for what it is but like you can't ignore what's coming down the line and while you know a six and winning a six nations doesn't mean that if ireland were to win the six nations doesn't mean that they're finally going to get past the world cup quarter final but we saw in 2019 if you have a really poor six nations and teams begin to find you out it can really have a damaging effect by the mm-hmm. time the world cup comes around so um oh yeah i think it's there's just so much uh to look forward i think over the next few weeks and so who are your champions and will there be a grand slam 
Yeah, I don't think there'd be a Grand Slam. Yeah. Like, like there, there is a bit of an un, unknown with it all, isn't it? Like just with Gatlin coming back in, with Bortwick coming in, you, like how long is it going to take them to to find their feet? I think like Wales will relish having Ireland first off at a sold out Millennium Stadium, and that could really set the tone. I still think I know they have a few injuries, but I just still think France are, are the team to beat. You know, Ireland are the number one ranked team in the world, but so much of that is down to like the ranking system is so hard to get your head around. And like France went to Japan last summer, they didn't send their full team. So like did that count the same number of ranking points? Um, and I know they have, yeah, like a couple of injuries, but they're still, they're still the team to beat. Like they showed, they showed that last year in the Six Nations. But I think it would be fascinating to see if Ireland can get one over on them. They obviously, they're a bit of an outlier now. They, they beat the All Blacks twice in New Zealand last year, but they still haven't beaten um, this French team. So, uh, this weekend will definitely set the tone for Ireland, but if as long as they're in the hunt for the title on the last day, like I said, I think that would be fascinating. And I don't think like you know they have to win a Grand Slam either to to think that this year is going to be successful. They could still potentially lose to France and play well, and you know they might be beaten on points difference or whatever in the Six Nations, and that would still be a relatively, I would say, successful Six Nations as long as you get the sense that they're still building. So um, I would tip France uh, maybe, but very narrowly ahead of Ireland. Oh yeah, should be a cracking championship. Uh, Keen Tracy, thanks for that. Now before we go on tomorrow's podcast, we've got an interview with referee Andrew Brace. He'll be refereeing the Six Nations game between Scotland and Wales in round two at Murrayfield, and he'll also be an assistant ref in two other Six Nations game games. Now it's a good time to talk to a referee. There's been a lot going on, but here's Andrew talking about the level of social media abuse that he and his family have received in the past. You know, start saying, oh, I hope you all die of COVID and hope you like on the back of obviously my father's a bit tree and saying, I hope you die too. And uh, so it was, it was tough, you know, it's not nice to, to read them, but like, I don't remember somebody once said to me is you, if you're on there, you take the bad with the good. And that's kind of, you can, some people can agree to that. Yeah. But I, how do you then draw the line if your family are on there? You know, do you now say to your family, you can't be on there because I'm a referee? And that, that, that's it's a really difficult one then. So that interview with Andrew Brace will be coming into your left wing podcast feed tomorrow, Tuesday. Thanks again to Keen Tracy for joining us and to you for listening. Bye for now. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.